Hello, Podicumens, and welcome to the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best sabbatical friends, Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. How are you guys doing? What is up? I am doing as um as my uh as my middle schooler would say, slay queen, slay. So there you go. That was my that was my the, I think the re- um re-record. We need to re-record this yeah, intro. That the, was just um, <laughs> FEC just called. No, that's the election commission. Um basically <laughs> somebody called and said you're not allowed to ever do that again. Yes, they did. In fact, yes. Yeah. They called both of us at the same time. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> yeah. It was an alert. It was alert. I uh, just popped up on my phone. I was going. just trying to speak the current lingo. Mm. Is it really the current of lingo? The emerging <laughs> culture. <laughs> Of today. Uh, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, that's radical. That's radical. Probably should just leave it for the current generation. Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. So this is what you get after a month off of podcasting. We we have been... Some grade A material, people. So your sabbatical was fruitful is what you're telling me. (laughs) Intellectually stimulating? Yeah, Uh, seems so. Yeah. Words can't describe. (laughs) <laughs> apparently they can <laughs> let me try i'm um, awful um yeah. yeah no well i'm uh, doing great by the way thanks for asking well um, we did 10 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited to be back it is a uh, hot as the dickens out here as they said in charles Ooh. dickens time yeah, yeah. um nah. it was the it was the <laughs> it was the and, old of times it was the hot of times and it's exciting. Uh, over here in Albany, we've recently spent some time with um, members of the John Wesley Institute who put together this, uh, The Faith Once Delivered, which is the material we've been going through. I uh, yeah. got to have dinner with Dr. Ryan Danker. We're going to hear from him a little bit later in the episode again. Uh, I'll tell you that man loves some tacos. And um, <laughs> we're hoping to get him back in Georgia with some other scholars because we really, really do believe this. Uh, what we have to share as Wesley and Methodist Christians is yeah. phenomenal. Um, other than that, it's baseball time and school start school start time here in my neck of the woods. Yeah, same, same here, same, same. here. Go Bravos and go school. Yeah, go school. No, go yeah, to school. Go, go to Seriously. school. Go to school. Wake yeah. up. Go to school. <laughs> go to school. <laughs> So, um, no, that's so yeah. Uh, Dr. Denker was here in, in the Georgia. Now, I wasn't able to go out to Alan, you weren't able to go see mm-hmm. him. Uh, but, um, I know that there are some plans in place maybe to be have something pretty awesome happen in Georgia again later in the future. So, that's yep, that's kind of looking fun. forward to that. And, and what I'm excited about, just kind of as a sidebar, is there seems to be a little bit of uh excitement in the Wesleyan world right now, in the Methodist Wesleyan world. Um, uh, we we three just came off an annual conference with the Global Methodist Church, and that was phenomenal. And it just a really, really great, just reviving moment. And um, I'm just I'm excited that people are excited about all things Methodist, at least in our in our a little circle of Christian tradition. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun times and uh and uh, I'm glad to be back podcasting. I'm glad to be back recording uh, with these two fellows and bringing to you all the best. And, I, and I'm just going to claim it. Um, not name and claim, but I'm just going to claim it. I'm going to claim that we are the absolute best podcast on Wesleyan things in the Wesleyan world. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right here, Dang, right wow. now. I thought you were going to... 
Wesleyan wow. catechesis. If you if you oh, said oh, that, it, I, yeah. I definitely, okay, I, I, I admit we are yes. the best Wesleyan catechesis podcast in, in the Wesleyan world. Easy. Easy Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> Number in Georgia. <laughs> yeah. We're starting to sell like baseball statistics now. This yeah. is the first time ever on the 9th of August that somebody did this or that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, as Jim said, we are continuing to, uh, marching through the Faith Once Delivered document that the John Wesley Institute from I mean, you uh, put out in 2022. You can read about this at nextmethodism.org. There's free download of that there. Um, and this document, uh, once again, was created after a gathering of over 50 Wesleyan scholars gathered in Alexandria, Virginia in early 2022 at what was called the Next Methodism Summit. And um, so you'll want to check out that uh, check out that website. Uh, there's a book called The Next Methodism that's out too that um, is part of that. And it's an awesome book. And you'll want to check out that if you're if you're part of the Wesleyan uh, family. And even if you're not, if you've got Methodist friends or what it is, it's just a really good book that talks about some of the uh, revival and rejuvenation of the Wesleyan world that is going on right here and right now. Um, when we ended uh, for our little bit of a sabbatical through July, uh, we ended a whole section in this, and we're starting the third section um, that talks about Revelation and not the book of Revelation. We're talking about <laughs> how God reveals himself, um, although book of Revelation deals with that as well. And uh, like we've done at previous before the other um, sections, uh, Dr. Danker has given a little bit of a kind of an intro to this. We had him on a long time ago and to talk about the Faith Once Delivered document and the uh, John Wesley Institute. And he kindly uh, recorded some introductions to these various sections for us too. And so I'm going to let him open us up as we get started with this third section. So hopefully all my buttons are pressed and the podcast listeners will be able to hear this. <laughs> He's going to slay. He's going to yeah. slay. He's going to slay. Here we go. In section three, we get into God revealing himself. Um, and uh, so speak to the importance of understanding God's uh, general revelation to us and then then his specific revelation to us and why that is an important, uh, why that matters. Right. Right. So you're talking about natural revelation and, and specific right. revelation. Right. So natural revelation is very easily understood as seeing the, handi the handiwork of God in creation itself. Um, I mean, the psalmist wrote about this, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. Right. Um, and it's, you can gain, you know, any person any, uh, can gain a sense of God and of many things about God simply by looking at creation. Um, you know, the, the handprints are there. The design is there. And so there's, there's revelation in that way. But then also there's specific revelation. So specific revelation is centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Whether we're, you know, whether we're talking about the Old Testament or the New, revelation is always centered in Christ. Um, I think that's something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. But because Christ is the fullness of the revelation of God. And so, you know, people, what is God like? Well, look <clears> at <throat> Jesus. Um, that's, that's specific revelation. Walking, talking, breathing, you can hug revelation, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah. Um, and out of the Christ event, out of the explosion that took place with the, re with the, the resurrection, right? Mm -hmm. Or new creation launching in the middle of history. Um, the church then has um, 
through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the scriptures, and then ultimately tradition, which is really carefully defined in this document. Scripture is always primary. We, you know, we are, I got into it on Twitter the other day, about mm-hmm. sola scriptura or prima scriptura. Well, you know, it, sure. We, I don't know anybody who actually practices sola scriptura. <laughs> 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 but, you know, don't tell the reformed bros that. Um, but Wesleyans have always been prima. So scripture is primary. Yeah. And we understand it in concert with, walking alongside with, learning with the faithful who have gone before us. Right. And that's what section three is about. The, the revelation of God, you know, revelation of God ultimately in Christ, and then the ways that God has given us these tools, both scripture and tradition, mm-hmm. scripture primary, um, to understand God's will for us now. Amen. All right. Amen, Dr. Danker. Um, absolutely. Um and I do think that's an important thing when we look at, um, and we'll talk more about this in probably in this episode, but and also in a, a f- uh, future episode when we deal specifically with scripture, the difference between sola scriptura, which is that Protestant Reformation tenet, and prima, and how I think perhaps there's been a separation of those two things that is undue, that people like the reformers, like a Martin Luther would not have, have agreed with. Um, and so, uh, but we'll, we'll get more to that. Um, and so we appreciate, uh, Ryan, uh, going ahead and opening us up as we discuss, uh, God's self-revelation to us. So apparently this infinite God, this all loving, all good God, this, uh, infinite God who is outside of time and space. He's, uh, what one, uh, new, Te- one, one, I'm sorry, not new Testament. One, one theologic, uh, theology professor of mine, uh, stated he's a supranatural that he's outside of um, nature itself. Um, what he stated was uh, was that God broke through and revealed Himself to us. Um, he he's the first mover. He's the one who broke through and revealed Himself to us. So let's look at these questions. Questions um, or paragraphs eighty nine through ninety two in the Faith Once Delivered, and I'm going to turn it over to our audible reader, Alan Kaysen. All righty. So paragraph 89, God recognizes that we are limited, and so he provides us with the ability to know him, his will, and his purposes through direct revelation and indirect revelation, such as the natural world. As the psalmist wrote, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 19.1. Revelation is God explaining himself to us about who he is, what he is like, what he does, and what his purposes are. Revelation communicates God himself. Right. So the the idea here is uh, we can only know about God. We can only have the concept of God because God first reveals himself to us. That is how deep the the veil, if you want to call it, between us and God is our creator because of sin, that without God breaking through, revealing himself, either generally or specifically, we would not even have the concept of God. So the, for, so um, it's almost kind of an, uh, what's the Latin a priori, right, uh, understanding of God's existence that um when you think about who God is, 
the reason you can think about who God is is because God has revealed himself. He's allowing us to, to think in those ways because the, 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 the chasm is even too far because of sin for us to even have the concept of God beyond that. I guess, is that making like sense? In, that's like inception level. Like, you know, <laughs> I can only think about God because God has made it so. Right, exactly. That's what that's that is this very reason, by the way, that I think, in my opinion, and 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 um, it's been um debated throughout the centuries, but I think that one of the classic arguments for the existence of God, the 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 ontolog what's called the ontological argument, where you can go and you can read about this online, is probably in my my estimation one of the best arguments for the existence of God because. Classic Christian teaching tells us that without God first, then we wouldn't even have an idea. We wouldn't even have a, like God reveals Himself to us. For we have no, we have no ability to be able to think of the existence of God outside of God revealing Himself to us. So anyway, uh, Jim, you're muted. Jim, Jim, you're muted. <laughs> even just, even just looking at, um just basic random things in the world around us, God calls out to us to speak to us. I mean, I was looking the other day after watching Oppenheimer, I went down a rabbit hole of math, science, and all this stuff. Um, And graphing the Fibonacci sequence makes this perfect spiral. Right. And then you find that in roses and and all of these things in the natural world and shells um, and you you look at that and say, wow, that's got some purpose. But if you think behind it, that God desiring to reveal himself to us is calling out to us in every way. And the Psalm verse that we just heard in the paragraph, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. That is a natural order is seeking to reveal God to us and draw us close to him. Now, do not mistake the heavens being the skies are not god they are telling of the glory of god mm-hmm. nature is not god nature is proclaiming his handiwork but you're right brett without in the very design of things god wants us to know him right and will awaken us through a rose or right. a random sequence that is too orderly to be random yeah i love that that psalm the heavens declared the glory of God. Glory. I mean, but that that's right. So like, so like, like you said, the rose, right? That, you know, a rose, there's a beauty within a rose that for somebody may, may, may th- that grace of God through the beauty of that rose, that, 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 that revelation of God's handiwork through the beauty of that rose may spark something within the image of God that is in that person. Uh, that will come alive a little bit that will go yes. hmm and that's god that's god moving that's god continually reaching out and calling and saying hey there's more to this than what you think mm-hmm. um and that to me is the, that's the most beautiful thing i guess i'm trying to say like i can't even put to words what that yeah, means and that and that's the and that's the grace of god um yeah, exactly and- that's the grace of God. You think about like people say, oh gosh, I could, I could worship God in nature. You sure can. You sure can. You sure can. Absolutely. Praise God that you can. 
Um, and that's the beginning of the revelation of God. And it's when we come into these specific direct ways, because this paragraph talks about direct and indirect revelation. Right. And so, so the idea would be um, that that would call us into a desire for direct revelation in the Lord. Yeah. So, like, I think, I think, um, it's, I think it's interesting. I think indirect revelation, like creation, like the nature, like these things, can open us up to direct revelation. I also think direct revelation opens us up to indirect revelation. Um, yes. Like once I, you know, just say once I've been directly, um, once it's been directly revealed to me that Jesus is the son of God, my savior, um, um, died, crucified, was raised from the dead. I'm a follower of Jesus. A sunset looks amazing, even yes. more yeah. amazing than before. Or yeah. a sunrise yeah. looks even yeah. more amazing than before. The dew on the ground uh, looks yeah. amazing. Even, But, you know, but those same things can also open me up to someone revealing to me, uh, God revealing to me that Jesus is who who Jesus is. So yes. I just think that's a really interesting thing to think about um, for Christians and non-believers. So. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right. What's that next paragraph? All right. Paragraph 90. Uh, God has revealed himself through and to the world. So through the world and to the world. He is revealed through mighty acts and inspired words. God spoke all creation into existence, Genesis 1, and all creation bears witness to the glory of God. Human life, reflecting the image of the triune God, bears witness to the creative power of God, the covenantal love of God, and the value of relationship and community. He makes it possible to discern when and where he is active in the world, to align our lives rightly with his will, and to join in his mission. So um, I, I just got finished watching this um, documentary on Netflix um, on the James Webb telescope. Oh, um, yeah. And um, it's only an hour long. Um, and I've always been fascinated with the universe. Like the Hubble t- uh, Space Telescope, when you uh, look at the pictures from Hubble, are amazing. And then when you look at those same pictures, like the, the photos of the what's called the Pillars of Creation, or uh, different uh, nebula, or any any of that kind of stuff. It just is enhanced so much because it's the the type of telescope James Webb is. Um, when I look at that, I don't necessarily see gas and stars and you know all that stuff. Uh, what I see is God's handy. Like there's a sense of God's handiwork and yes. His. I, I just found myself in tears. Like I was tearing up. Um, at one point when those pictures started coming in, because I was like this, the, um, the expanse, the, 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 it's not even a right word to say the massiveness of, um, of, of, of the universe is just an, and the fact that um, we, we can kind of see all the way almost to the beginning of what, uh, of, of the known universe um, because of the way light travels and all of that. And you just, in doing that, you're seeing, man, God had, there, there was just definitely a plan to this. Um, there was definitely something to this to get us to where we are today. And um, uh, just, just, just beautiful. Um, and then I watched it and then I watched a clip from um, on YouTube from the not so great movie, uh, Noah. Uh, y'all remember <laughs> that Russell Crowe? 
Yeah. So all um, Russ. At the beginning of that movie, though, is uh, Noah Russell Noah telling the story of creation to his family on the on the ark, and um, Aronofsky, who who directed that, did this uh, as he's doing that, really kind of a scientific view of creation mixed in with the creation story, and I found myself going, "This is amazing." <laughs> Like, it's just like an amazing thing to see how God just made, you know, and so even in those two things, God's nature, God, the, the, the things of our natural order around us speaking to us um, about God's glory. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm, I I'm, I'm struck by these two things in, in this paragraph here. The first is uh, just the recognition that the world we live in is God's speech. Mm. Um, God spoke all creation into existence. And those words, the things created from those, from that word continue to bear witness to the glory of God. Yeah. And that um, to fully, to fully capture and, and reflect the glory of God spoken in creation, we have, recreation through christ which comes through these later specific revelation right. it's just beautiful to think that uh i i think about because you mentioned this the scientific uh explanations and creation and such uh, i always like to push against this idea that science and and religion science and christianity are in opposition right. they're only they're only in opposition if ideologically you want them to be right um and and Later in in this sec- section, we're going to talk about how we read scripture. I, I don't I don't think that if you read scripture in the way that it wants you to, you're not going to find that the Bible speaks uh, against any scientific discovery that we've had in terms of its knowledge of the universe. It will against its morality, but right. not against knowledge of the universe. Right. Um. And just thinking about that, if you you can fully embrace. What science brings to the table when you understand it is is a detailed bringing all of human reason to bear on understanding the beautiful creation that God has made, right? Um, and how to how to help people uh, and the world to flourish as stewards of creation. So of course, of course, more and more science becomes ideologically people will use it ideologically uh, mm-hmm. to push back against religion. But it doesn't mean that by its nature, scientific inquiry and development are um, contrary to religion. Um, and so we just that's something to keep in mind. The other thing that that strikes me is we bring in human life in this paragraph. Human life reflecting the image of God bears witness to the creative power of God and the covenantal love of God. Human life is intertwined mm-hmm. with the way God reveals himself because he reveals himself to us. And then the way in which we come in Through goodness is, is it's just the creative power of God at work. Therefore, human life is somehow valuable. Yeah. That's good. That's real good. All right, I'm logging off. Okay, see you. It's, <laughs> only, going, it's only going downhill from, downhill from there. All right, yeah. Alan, what else we got? All right, paragraph 91, revelation is not a secondary activity of God meant to help creation know its creator. Rather, it is part of God's nature to communicate. 
The Gospel of John makes this clear, identifying Jesus as the incarnate logos or word or reason, the word made flesh. This grounds the claim that revelation is both dynamic and consistent. The word of God is identified as the second person of the Trinity, just as the the nature of the Trinity remains consistent across all time and places. So the revelation made available through the word is likewise consistent, even as it is translated and expressed in time and place. Yeah. Yeah. um, I love that, um, that line. Um, Rather, it is part of God's nature to communicate. Yes. Um, yeah. That 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 that's one of the, the 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 things here. I think that's one of the things that makes our Judeo-Christian um, tradition so unique is God's constant communication with His creation, with His people, just constant, and the different modes of communication. Right, like. Um, prophets and dreams and written word and spoken word and audible things and visual things and through uh, symbols and through just God's God. It is within God's nature to communicate with us. Yes. And and, and for a myriad of ways. The very beginning of the Bible, uh, depending on which translation you read, I think they're consistent this way. The very first thing that God does in the beginning, God created, God speaks. Yeah. God let created the heavens. Light. He said, let there be, you know, powerful stuff. This is one of yeah. these dangerous moments where I've got an idea while we're talking and Let's so go. I'm just going to throw go. it out. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So, you know, I think there's over the years, there's been a lot of conversation heresy. about, you know, um, <laughs> what now? About what? Heresy. Heresy. <laughs> oh, no. well, yeah, there's that um, about, you know, there's one argument. Hey, you know, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. Um, we just need a new, we're New Testament people, or we should unhitch from it. In fact, we should unhitch from it. We should throw them in buckets, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to tie the idea, um, God Himself gives us the idea, anyways, to tie the idea that the Word is Jesus, yes, with an argument for taking the whole of Scripture as important and necessary and all of it. Um, you'd be basically saying, I don't need part of Jesus. Yeah. You just say, um, this scripture doesn't apply to me. I don't need, I don't need the old Testament, you know, anymore, yeah. or, or I don't need this, these, these letters or that, you know, this section or that section. Yeah. You're dismissing, you're throwing away part of Jesus because Jesus is the word, um, the word made flesh, um, Anyways, this is just the like it's one of those I've never I've never made that connection before until you got until I was until I was reading and listening to you guys um, this paragraph. That's what um, we do, listeners. Yeah. You're just along for the ride. We're just trying. You're to just really stuff along out. for the ride. We're just trying to figure stuff out. It's just um, me and it's just me and Jim trying to teach well, Alan how to be a good Christian. Very true. It's very true. So, <laughs> but no, um, see, listen. I think you're correct because I mean Jesus somewhat. Says something sim- Tell similar. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about it. Where, when he says that um, he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, right? right. He came to fulfill the law right. and the prophets. Mm-hmm. Law mm-hmm. and the prophets—that's Old Testament, right? But but if, then but then some people would say, you know, some would say, well, because he's fulfilled it, then it really, you know. But if can, you throw it out, you're he's right. saying he, like, yeah. Let me get let so me get you, started real quick. Let well, me get let's started. Go. Let's go. The word "fulfilled" does not mean. Uh, to end 
Mm. Right. It means yeah. its purpose has come to its complete fulfillment. Yeah. It, it, it was designed to begin a purpose, and I have come as the end and fulfillment of that purpose. Therefore, it is not obsolete. It is that it only finds its full working through me. That's the that's the word, man. Uh, can, can I can I say a word to um, our pastors who are listening to us right now? The at least one we know at least one is listening one. to us right There's now. One, mm-hmm. one, um, preach the Old Testament, please. Oh yeah, yeah. Preach and teach it. Preach and teach the Old Testament. Don't leave it out. Preach and teach the Old Testament. For one I thing, think, the New Testament's unintelligible without an understanding. Right. I'm going to come back to this. Alan's right. trying to talk. I'm going to come back to yeah. this. Yes. So I think the line that gets me, and I know this was written by human folks, right? But the line that gets me is just as the nature of the Trinity remains consistent across all time and space, places, meaning the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Word, Jesus. So the revelation made available through the Word is likewise consistent even as it is translated and expressed in time and place. Mm. Um, you know, it's not like, it's almost as if like, it's not like the word has just showed up, although it was revealed over 66 books, many authors over, over time. At the same time, the word has always been right. Um, and so it's just a different side of an argument that I haven't thought about. Um, that I just find really, really fascinating in this moment as we're, as we're recording live. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. That I definitely want to dig deeper into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the problems that people have, so we'll talk more specifically about scripture as we go further through here, but you can't, you can't talk about revelation without talking about scripture. So when you back up a little bit and under David Watson and Billy Abraham, I know have spent a lot of time talking about this, the late Billy Abraham, and mm-hmm. the conversation is coming back up through in the firebrand yes, articles. Yes. Um, and we really should, should read those. One of the things is, is the nature of divine revelation as it relates to scripture, as it relates to God's self-communication. So one of the things that that we have trouble with maybe in our current environment is the historical nature and the divine nature of scripture. If it's historical, therefore it must not quite apply. What we're looking for are the principles um, is kind of the argument and that it might in fact be flawed because it was written in history. It was inspired mm. by God, written by mm. the people inspired, and therefore becomes an issue. But I'm currently reading through, and y'all should read this too. It's just coming out, a brand new book by the uh, official pastor of the uh, Podakesis podcast, yeah. Dr. Brian Russell. He's yeah. got a new book out called Astonished by the Word. And I'm just reading through that a little bit, and there's a section here where he quotes N.T. Wright, um, talking about, look, if you have... Um, let me just let me just go ahead and read this quote real quick. This is Brian's quoting N.T. Wright. Um, history prevents faith from becoming fantasy. Faith prevents history from becoming mere antiquarianism. Historical research, being always provisional, cannot ultimately veto faith, though it can pose hard questions that faith, in order to retain its integrity precisely as Christian faith, must struggle to answer and may well grow strong through answering. Faith, being subject to the vagaries of personality and culture, cannot veto the historical enterprise. 
but it can be put to hard question put hard questions to history not the least uh, large the topics of the origin of christianity and history may be all the better for answering them one of the things that that comes out of this little section he's talking about the inspiration of scripture is that the more you learn about the fact this has come through history means that i can't just separate out this idea of jesus because ideas morph and change they morph and change. You just think about the ways that words are morphing and changing all of the time. In fact, we've that's kind of the postmodern milieu is to just um, let's just change the meaning of a word over time. Right. And you can do that with ideas. But Jesus, you can't do that with because uh, and revelation recorded in scripture, you can't do that with because it's grounded in the historical moment. It's right. not other than we are. It is exactly as we are. Right. Practice and culture, of course, changes over time. But history, we are in history right now. History is not simple past. The fact that revelation from the beginning, divine revelation was given into historic histor- uh, history, time and space, that Jesus, the word made flesh, came into time and space means that um, we cannot divorce the, I, the, the faith from time and space, but it also encourages us that we can live and receive and know it as time-bound, space-bound people. If we don't, if we just say um, all that's just historical stuff and we don't need it, for example, when we're reading the Bible, mm-hmm. let's just look for the principle behind it. That principle mm-hmm. can become whatever we want it to mean. Right, exactly. But when we say, no, there, this is grounded in reality, you know, um, the ultimate reality of God, but also God grounded his own revelation in the reality of human history. Right. I don't know that this is going to read to people what I'm trying to say here. Brian says it better in his book, Astonished by the Astonished by the Word, which is available in all your major book retailers. And by the way, Dr. Russell will be a guest at some point in the near future on the Podakesis podcast. And don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I think the last paragraph gets into some of what you're saying. Um, so 92 says God acts in history to make himself known and has moved throughout all centuries to speak to hearts that are searching for him. God spoke to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, to Hagar. God spoke to Jacob and Joseph, to Moses, to Miriam. God spoke through the law, through the judges and Kings. He spoke through the mighty acts of deliverance through the prophets and prophetesses. And in the fullness of time, God spoke by incarnating his word, revealing his order and love in Jesus. Jesus is a unique person, fully divine and fully human. Which is such a good thing. I mean, and like, yes, he, he speaks even to, and it says here in the faith once delivered rightly says God acts Mm -hmm. in history to make himself known and move throughout all centuries to speak to hearts that are searching for him. Um, But then he also speaks, I mean, which means by the way, uh, he speaks through not just believers and not just his children or the his children, but like one of the things is he speaks to like if you read in the Old Testament, he speaks to Cyrus the Great, this Persian mm-hmm. emperor who is not a who is not a Yahweh worshiper. He is a pagan emperor. God speaks to him to use Cyrus. I say to use, but to to carry out God's plan, God's uh, purpose for his children to be go back into the promised land. So God speaks right to his whole of creation. Um, it's one of the things I, I love about Jesus is how um, I just preached this past weekend 
um, when you're when you're listening to this, this would have been the first weekend in August. I just uh, preached uh, this um, past weekend um, on the feeding of the five thousand. Mm-hmm. Now, the feeding of the five thousand takes place in near Capernaum, which is a largely Jewish area. Just a chapter or two later in Matthew, Jesus goes and he feeds four thousand in a largely pagan area. Um, a Roman slash Greek kind of just a stronghold to, by the way, the Gentiles, large mm-hmm. group of Gentiles there. And even leading up to it, Jesus is dealing, doing ministry to Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that Jesus did the exact same thing he did to the Israelites to, or to the Jew, to those Jewish uh, folks near Capernaum that he did in this Greco Roman kind of pagan area around the Galilee. Um, and so, Jesus is is saying that I didn't just come for a specific group, a specific race, a specific. I've come for everybody, and I, I'm going to be the bread. I'm going to be the manna from heaven for everybody. I'm coming for you. Yeah, I'm coming for you. Yes, he said it in that 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 that. I'm coming tone. for you. <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just cracked myself up. Yes, you did. Was that a movie wow. reference? Was that a why. movie? Was that a movie reference? <laughs> it, it was. Yes. yes. Was it Sorry. from the 1940s or? <laughs> did they have? Um, yeah, I don't know that they did. It's very special, Brad. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Can we just move on? I'm sorry. This is a great day. It's a great day. Oh, no. oh man. God make God acts in history to make himself known and has moved throughout all centuries to speak to hearts that are searching for him. I'm yeah. going to give a, a little word on this. Is there are hearts that are actively seeking for him for sure? Um, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. The way that we are understanding God's work in the human heart in our Wesleyan tradition is that, and I think throughout tradition, whether we understand it or not, there's a part of our hearts that are searching for God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's part of our hearts that are searching for God. Yeah. And thank God he speaks to that part of our heart when we don't even know it. Yeah. And um, I doubt we'll have somebody pick up this podcast who's not a believer, but maybe the Lord would do it. Um, it just just know that those hungers that, that people have, that you have, maybe we you can use this to share your faith with somebody. Mm-hmm. The hungers that people have, the, um, the thing you're searching for um, is more than likely going to find its way when you walk up the ladder. You're searching for God, and he will speak to you. He will make himself known to you. He is seeking to make himself known to you. That's mm-hmm. part, that's just who he is and what he does. Yeah. Isn't it, wasn't it Augustine? I think it was Augustine who said in his mm-hmm. confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in, in you. Thee. In thee. In thee. Um, in thee. Um, I, I think that back, I mean, that that's completely what you're saying, that we're yep. all searching. And, they, and, and, and the we, thing is, is, is we don't always know. Right. And, and thank God, God's grace awakens us to that. And that's right. part of the, part of the um, optimism that we have as the, the Wesleyan Methodist Christians is God is at work in the people we're talking to. Their hearts, whether they're aware of or suppressing it or not, there's a part of them that is hungry for God. Right. And we know that we can take part in that. And that God can use us to help 
awaken that hunger or to show it its meal, if you will. Absolutely. Well, uh, so I think that's a good start for our uh, for this section of um, uh, of this new this new section, section three on God's revelation, how God reveals Himself to us, and um, we look forward to uh, speaking next time on Scripture itself and this general revelation of God's goodness and His grace uh, to the world. Um, but until then, um, we are, and I wasn't lying, I've actually been in con- contact with Brian Russell, and we are working on getting him scheduled on the show, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And he is the uh, most booked guest that we've had. I think we've had him. Yeah. Uh, we had him, we've had him three times, right? Uh, this will be the third, I think. This will be the third time? So, um, now, he was most, on three episodes. Yes. So he'll be the most booked guest that we've had. So I'm excited mm. about that. And uh, I bet he's infirm. just overjoyed about that. I'm well, not he sure he likes- should add that as a tagline or anything, but, you know, it's up to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, just going to go ahead and say that we are his favorite podcast he's ever been on. Got yes. It. I mean, I yes. know it. I, I, I mean, know it's it. true. He's astonished by Potokesis. That's going to be this <laughs> follow-up book. <laughs> That's going to be the, the title of the episode when he comes to join us. That's Stardust the title by of the episode. Potichesis? Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> well, um, as y'all can tell, I have devolved. Um, I am, I've gone into silliness after my supposed Liam Neeson quote for Jesus. So until gone round the bend. I've, got some, I've got some correction I need to go through. So until next time, Potichumans, we hope you have a great day. May the Lord bless you, and we'll talk to you later. Peace.